It's time for JT the Brick. The summer of Cliff. Cliff Branch, all summer long. Prepare your phone call. I want Cliff content from you. I stopped into a Walmart. I had no idea he was there. I, we talked a bit about some old Raider stuff. He was super. We went back and forth. I think every current wide receiver in it, not only in the NFL, but every current wide receiver, period, needs to be at that induction thing for Cliff. JT the Brick. I want to know when you met Cliff, what your favorite play was with him. So we had a blast. We hung out in there. We got pictures of the boys with the ring. Talked to him a little bit. Cliff Branch was was a standout player. The way he ran his routes, his hands, his speed was unbelievable. The plays that I recall with Branch was him going down the left sideline, getting behind the DB, and his left hand going up, give me the ball, give me the ball. As we count down to Cliff, the summer of Cliff on the flagship. And now, here's JT the Brick. Oh, thanks for coming back. Very rewarding day as we spoke to the president of the Raiders. We were very excited about that. Sandra Douglas Morgan, if you missed that interview, you can find it where we podcast everything, I believe, at LV Sports Network, or you can go to Raiders.com, and they're really good about turning that around really quickly. Uh, good conversation with her about her vision, her goals, growing up as a kid, Nellis Air Force Base, her dad, the discipline she had, uh, the company she worked for, the global expansion of the Raiders, entertainment capital of the world, working within the community with the other events that are happening there, and increasing revenue and doing her job. This is a businesswoman in charge of a lot of money, a lot of money coming in and a lot of growth going forward. And there's been a lot of work before her to get the stadium built. And we always bring that up, the people who were here before her who did a great job and to get Vegas going as an NFL city. And if I had more time with her, I would have talked more about UNLV football, the Golden Knights, you know, the aviators and all that. But we had 20 minutes and I tried to get in everything there that I could. So I appreciate it if you enjoyed that and if you welcome her. And you'll be seeing her a lot. Wait till she uh, becomes even more. She's been here her whole life. So she's recognized by a lot of people. But as the president of the Raiders, uh, she'll be around at a lot of events in town. And please give her a great welcome, even though she's probably been here Longer than you, right? She's been here her whole life, but uh, welcome her to the Raider Nation. Kurt Heelan's going to join us a little bit later on over at Summer League. NBA Summer League is great. I'm sending my son out there, my youngest, tonight, as we appreciate that. Summer League's cool. I was there the other day, and I was there with Kurt Heelan. Actually, we went to lunch, and I watched the first half of the Pelicans in Atlanta, and it's just fun. It's so good. They got that thing dialed in. Now, I I always know how hot it is in Vegas when I go to Summer League. In my backyard, in Backyard Brick, I get in the pool, I get out, I don't notice how hot it is. And the house is air conditioning because it costs me a billion dollars like you do to air condition your house. But you, know, you go, you get to the Thomas and Mac and you get and you walk up those stairs and you feel the heat. And then you go in there and it's cooled down, it's air conditioned, and there's kids getting autographs and you can take a picture with the Summer League trophy. Uh, Jerry West, I was 10 feet from the logo. He was having a good time eating an ice cream, hanging out there. And if you're a young kid in town, uh, your parents should take you. Look, parents, I've always said this. I don't want to get too deep on this. The problem with sports today a lot of times are parents. Kids would love to get off their video games. You got to get them off their video games. Get them off their video games. They don't have a choice. My kids didn't have a choice at 11 years old when to get on a video game. Get in the car. We're going to Summer League. And I would drop them off at Summer League, and my wife would get them eight hours later. It's the best ticket in town. And it's on TV and simulcast on ESPN. Richard Jefferson, that was cool. He got to be a referee in the last game. That was a lot of fun. And you could see all the stars of the league. And they're going to start showing up more and more this week. This is a big weekend in town for the NBA. 
You know, if LeBron James isn't in Postitano, Italy, or with Magic Johnson in Greece, they're coming here because they want to support the youngsters who are trying to make the team. Uh, by the way, Bobby just told me we're going to get Todd Lewis to join us from St. Andrews. I don't know how we're pulling that off. So Todd Lewis from St. Andrews, that'll come up in a bit. I wanted to lead with Tiger Woods this hour. Yesterday was the number one press conference of his life, period. I thought Tiger Woods gave us more yesterday than he's ever given us at a press conference. And that says a lot for all his championships and all his great moments and his trials and tribulations. Uh, Tiger talked about live golf and the players leaving the PGA Tour to take the money and turning their back on the PGA. The players who have chosen to go to live and, and to play there, I disagree with it. I think that uh, what they've done is they've, they've turned our, their back on what has allowed them to get to this position. That's strong. Isn't that what you want from Tiger? Isn't that exactly what you want from Tiger Woods? To give us an opinion and tell us exactly what you think, Tiger, on this issue. And he did. So that's fantastic. I love Tiger for doing that. Now, I did a podcast this morning with my podcast partner, Tom Looney, about the moral high ground of Tiger Woods. Have you seen Tiger's behavior in the last five to ten years? Opioids, DUIs, the breakup of his marriage, and he's telling people what they should do. So there is a little bit of pushback on it. From, but from a golf perspective... Tiger's the king of golf, along with Jack Nicholson. Jack turned it down. Reportedly, Tiger turned down a billion dollars. Imagine if someone offered you a billion to be a part of this tour. Be tough to turn down, not for Tiger Woods, because he thinks leaving the PGA Tour, these young players who are coming up are going to miss something special. Some players have never got a chance to even experience it. They've gone right from the amateur ranks right into you know, that organization and never really got a chance to to play out here and, and what it feels like to play a tour schedule or, or to play in some big events. Yeah, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's exactly what it's about, is the fact that you're not, you're not going to be able to play potentially in some of these tournaments. And if that's the case, that's going to be tough. That's going to be very difficult for some players to do, but if they're taking the money now, they're thinking about the money. Tiger made it clear that he doesn't under, understand how a player on the PGA Tour could leave that famed tour and go play somewhere else. Who knows what, what's going to happen in the near future with world ranking points, the criteria for entering major championships. Um, the, the, the governing bodies going to have to figure that out, and some of these players may, may not ever get a chance to play major championships. And that is a possibility that um, some players will never, ever get a chance to play in a major championship, never get a chance to experience this right here. I'll walk down the fairways at Augusta National. To me, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand that. That is great content, man. Tiger Woods just unloading. So here's what you know going forward if you play live golf and you take the Saudis' money. Tiger's lost all respect for you. I'd, I'd care about that if I was a golfer and I was 29 and Tiger's in his 40s and I, Tiger doesn't want to talk to me because I play live golf. That's part of it. Uh, Tiger here criticizing the style of live and what it looks like compared to the PGA Tour he's played on his whole life. What these players are doing for you know, guaranteed money, what is the incentive to practice? What is the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? You're just getting paid a lot of money up front and playing a few events and Playing 54 holes, they're trying to playing blaring music and have all these um, atmospheres that are different. I, I just don't see 
how you know out of 54 holes I mean I, I can understand 54 holes is almost like a mandate when you get to the senior tours the guys are a little bit older and a little more banged up but you know when you're at a young age and some of these kids they really are kids you know who are gone from amateur golf in into that organization 72 hole tests you know are, are part of it I mean we used to have 36 hole playoffs for major championships you know that's that's how it used to be and one more from Tiger Woods. I, I disagree with Tiger Woods on Greg Norman. Greg Norman won two Open Championships, and he was disinvited to the Champions Dinner on the 150-year anniversary. I really disagree with that. Greg Norman's one of the all-time great golfers, businessman of all time, and he won the Open Championship twice. He shouldn't be banned from a dinner. I think that's ridiculous. You don't have to like live golf, but you don't tell Greg Norman on the one time of his life he could come back. The photo they took of all the living members who went back for this dinner outside St. Andrews was sick. It was the most, you know, the, they have the champion's dinner at the Masters in that private room. They take a photo. The photo they took for this was crazy, and Greg Norman wasn't allowed to be in it. Here's Tiger Woods on the fact that Greg Norman was not invited. Obviously, as a two-time Open winner, Greg Norman wasn't invited to all that is going on at the moment. I just wonder what your reaction to that decision was, Tiger. Well, the RNA and obviously had their uh, opinions and their rulings and their decision. Greg has has done some things that I I don't think that's in the best interest, you know, of our game. And we're coming back to probably the most historic and traditional place in our sport. I, I believe was the right thing. Oh, uh, my Tiger's opinion matters more than mine, but I don't agree with him on that. All right, Todd Lewis from Golf Channel, one of the best reporters in all of sports, friend of the show, a tradition unlike any other. He joins me before the majors, and we go to St. Andrews. And, Todd, uh, first off, let me know in your career how important this assignment is for you historically covering this major tournament on the 150th anniversary. Well, J.P., first, it's great to be with you as always. It is uh, wonderful to speak with someone who understands what golf history is. Um, I mean, it's spiritual. Um, it really is to be here. For those who have, unfortunately, had not had the opportunity to be in St. Andrews and see the old course, well, please try to make it here if you love the game of golf because the great buildings, the yellow leaderboards, the golf course, uh, the weather, I mean, it really does move you um, to a point where you're just like, wow, this this is where it all originated, and and to have a major championship here, and to have the greatest, uh, some of the greatest to ever play the game here to compete for one of the oldest trophies in sport, not just golf. It, it's amazing. It really is wonderful. Before we get to the live golf side of this with Tiger Woods, I want to talk about the concept of playing there on the road hole to hit a blind shot to know when you're in the middle of the course and you can't see the green perfectly, but if you know if you lay it out in the fairway that it will run. It doesn't happen that way. A lot of the guys who are listening who are 11 to 20 handicappers don't understand that you can drive it low and then it'll take off quickly and maybe you could roll it up to the green. What is that like for you when you cover this sport and you see the technical advantage that some of the golfers has as they let the balls go roll, uh, let up the low and let them run? I mean, just think about the fact that we are playing on a golf course that is um, – I mean, that has really stood the test of time with all the technological advances that we have seen in the game over the years. Um, right now, because it is so fast and firm here, they haven't had a lot of rain here, and the wind is obviously blowing a lot. It's dried out the golf course. 
Um, it, it's fascinating that the fairways are actually faster than the greens right now. That's amazing. Think about that. Um, it, it's it's crazy. Um, you you may see some drives this week that could push close to 500 yards. You will see 400 plus yard drives for sure this week uh, downwind. But if, if they they get a certain bounce off some knolls and some of these moon-like features uh, on this golf course, you could push 500 yards. It's phenomenal. But that doesn't make this golf course easier, without a doubt, because it's so fast and firm, and with all the nooks and crannies here, it becomes very much uh, a guessing game at times because it it isn't soft, and, and these guys can't predict where the golf ball will stop. They have to play the rollout. And that's what the trick is here. You've got to be a great game manager as much as a great ball striker here to succeed. Todd Lewis joins us from St. Andrews. You tweeted out Tiger driving the green on 18 as he's about to walk over the bridge. And I saw Jack Nicholas's entire family there with wife Barbara, his sons, his grandkids. Todd, what's it like when you walk over the bridge there? on 18 and you look back, you take a photo with your buddies, your colleagues. How historic is that, knowing all the legends who walked over it, took that fame photo, and it's probably the biggest memento of their lives? Um, you know, like I said, I mean, you, I say it's spiritual, but, I mean, you do feel like you are on sacred ground here. Um, and if you get the opportunity to walk over that bridge on 18 and you think about the incredible players uh, that have been on that golf course and have crossed that bridge, bridge from old Tom Morris to Tiger Woods and all the greats in between, Jack Nichols, Arnold Palmer, Tom Watson, who's considered the greatest open player ever, uh, Gary Player, Sir Nick Faldo. I mean, we could go on and on. Rory McIlroy, all those people that have had success in the Open Championship and then have played wonderfully at, at the old court. I mean, I, I mean, again, it's, it's really, I, I am doing this an injustice to verbally tell you JT and your listeners. It's just unbelievable. It's one of those things that, you know, you can talk about it, you can read about it, but when you see it and you live it and you breathe it, it it's, it's, it's just, it's incredible. It really is. It's, it's magical. I can tell Todd Lewis golf channel, so what do you think of the press conference? All the years I've covered Tiger in the press conferences, sometimes he doesn't give you a lot. Other times he's a little bit more open. I watched it live in Vegas, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was incredible. He gave us everything from Charlie to his career to Greg Norman, live, how he has to play, what he can do, what he's been fighting through. Walk me through that press conference, and what did you think about Tiger, especially agreeing with the RNA about not allowing Greg Norman at the dinner? Let's start there first. Well, we can, we can start there, if you'd like. Uh, it's, I mean, Tiger has been vocal. He has been very much a proponent of the PGA Tour. And let's make no mistake that Tiger Woods has the greatest voice in the game of golf. His words carry the most weight. And the PGA Tour and golf in general, in my opinion, without a doubt, would not be where it is without Tiger Woods. So for him to say that you gotta, you got to earn what you eat on the PGA Tour out here. You, you, you don't just show up and, and have it handed to you. Um, for him to say that and to be very much um, descriptive of how he thinks, this is his opinion, how he thinks 
live golf is fracturing the game um it, it, it's impactful and and there's going there were a lot of players that have that may have been on the fence that have been recruited by live golf and and still may go over to play live golf but they are, were influenced by what the greatest player of this generation at least had to say um so he firmly planted his flag uh, on the side of the PGA Tour, and we'll we'll see how much of an influence that has. But I think it was pretty significant. Yeah, I thought it was great there too, as he talks about his opportunity. Your opinion on possibly being his last ride at at, at St Andrews? Because I don't know, I don't have the calendar in front of me when they go back there and when they're going to play another major there. But overall. If Tiger's ever been spiritually motivated to make the cut and he wants to make every cut and make every shot, how important is this one for him to just get to Saturday and be on the tee box knowing that people are talking about him and he'll be there through Sunday? This is the most important tournament that he's going to play this year and maybe the last that we will see Tiger Woods compete this year on this highest level. He he probably will compete in the Hero World Challenge, his tournament that benefits his foundation later in the year. Um, Justin Thomas, who Tiger considers his little brother, <laughs> said that it, uh, he knew at the beginning of the year if there was a tournament that Tiger was going to target to try to participate in, given all the injuries that he has, um, it was going to be the Open this year at St. Andrews because it's the 150th, because he has connectivity to this place. He's won three majors, or three Open championships, I should say, and two of them have come here at the old course. He loves this place. He declared for those who don't know this is his favorite golf course on the planet i mean just think about that i mean he's won everywhere and this again is one of the greatest ever maybe the greatest this is his favorite golf course and he was going to try to get over hell and high water to make sure that he was going to be a part of this and so he's done it um i i think i i this is i i am not speaking i believe out of line here I think as fast and as firm as this golf course is, is the fact that he is one of the greatest, maybe the greatest game managers um, in, in, in essence, understanding where to hit the ball and how to hit the ball and trying to keep things out of trouble. I, I think he's got a shot to be in the mix. I really mm-hmm. do. Uh, I think he will play the weekend for sure. And, you know, if he gets a fortuitous bounce here or there and, and stays patient and stays reserved and within himself, um, I wa- I watched him play 36 holes. I walked with him. He's got plenty of speed in his bat to play here. Uh, I think if, if things go well and he can execute his swing, as what I have seen he has done over the last four or five days, he can be in the mix. I'm not saying he could win, but he can have things go his way to play well and put himself into contention to win yet another Clara Jug here. God, I want to pick Xander Shoffley to win, and I've picked him in the past and coming off the Scottish <laughs> Open. I know you've got to save it for TV as we say goodbye, but are you leaning here? Zalatoris, Rom, is it going to be a European? Or are you giving the edge to an American golfer? What are you thinking here, Todd? Again, I... You know, I did say that Tiger Woods, I think, could contend. I, I won't. I would not. I'm not putting him as my favorite. I, I'm going to go with a guy who I think he has worked really hard on his swing mechanically. That I feel like right now he is inching toward freedom in his swing that allows him to be an artist, um, a guy who really sees things well 
and loves these challenges, I would, and he was in the mix here in 2015, I would not be surprised to see Jordan Spieth once again challenging to win yet another Open Championship. I think he is really trending right now, and he loves this style of play. He grew up in Texas. The wind's going to blow. Uh, I think Jordan Spieth's got a really good shot here this week. Thank you, Todd. Enjoy the trip. We'll be following it on Golf Channel. Always appreciate you. Have a great trip. Really enjoy talking to you, JT. Thanks. Thank you. Todd Lewis from Scotland. Uh, appreciate that as he is at the home of golf. That is really cool. Again, when we can thread the needle with the president of the Raiders today, Kenny King and Todd Lewis from Royal St. Andrews. Top that, everybody. That's a hell of a pull by Bobby. Hey, quick reminder, if you're looking for some great jokes, some comedy, some fun, Staten Island's native Sal Volcano is now best known for creating some great comedy, starring in True TV's longest-running hit, Impractical Jokers, and The Misery Index on TBS. In addition to performing as part of the Tenderloin Comedy Troupe, It's sold out all around the world in arenas. Sal founded the No Presh Network in 2020. He's over at Virgin Hotels coming up here this weekend, July 15th. You'll have a laugh-out fun good time. It's really good. I think it's going to be a fantastic time. Go on out and check it out. Sal Volcano will be live at Virgin Hotels. Uh, When we come uh, back next, wow, Howard Balzer. Howard Balzer will join us, NFL Hall of Fame voter. In the room when Cliff Branch was selected. How cool is that as the summer of Cliff continues? We're playing live aid music coming out of breaks. So we'll tell you about that. It's the 35-year anniversary of live aid. More on that coming up next. Raider Nation is a big word, and mm-hmm. the Raiders have always was the first team to use the word nation. Everybody has adopted that, you know. Every franchise used the word nation, but the Raiders were the first one to say Raider Nation. You know, that's Cliff Branch, and I want to take a little tiny bit of credit for that. Okay, I didn't come up with Raider Nation. Raider Rob did, if he's out here listening. We always love Raider Rob. He came up with that, but... I've been saying that on my radio shows over my career, this NASCAR nation, Red Sox nation is a bunch of garbage. Garbage that they stole that from the Raiders. There's only one nation, Raider Nation, and I spoke to Cliff about that, and I don't recall Cliff talking about that until I was talking about it with him. We had deep conversations about that. There's only one nation, the Raider Nation. So the next time you see Rangers Nation or Flyers Nation, this is garbage. Come up with something new, okay? Come up with something new. It's One Nation Raider Nation. Thanks to Cliff Branch for that. And thanks to Howard Balzer for joining us here on Wednesday. Howard is a great NFL radio voice on Sirius XM, Hall of Fame radio. He's a Hall of Fame voter. And we started together at Sports Fan Radio Network back in the day. Howard, thanks for coming on. And uh, it's hot out here. You're in Arizona. Have you even looked at what your air conditioning costs are in Arizona? I don't even want to tell my wife what we're paying for air conditioning. How are you feeling? Yeah, no, I, I do the bills, and I've seen what it is, and I saw what it was for last <laughs> month, and I'm only amaz- I'm only uh, looking forward what it's going to be uh, for this month. But to be quite honest, I actually 
thought it was going to last summer. I thought it was going to be higher. Now last summer wasn't as bad as this one is shaping up to be, but yeah, it was a nice balmy 111 in Phoenix. <laughs> and you know, JT, I always joke because you know I I lived in Vegas for a year and a half, and and here in the Phoenix is the same thing. I've always I've always kind of laughed at the weather people on the TV news because when they do the 10 day forecast, I've always thought that they probably just put a whole bunch of numbers in a hat and pick them out. And then they say, okay, we'll put Tuesday for 111, Wednesday 110, Thursday 112. Doesn't matter what number you put down. All you have to do is say hot. And that's, and that's basically the bottom line. So that's just the way it is, but you kind of get used to it after a while. Uh, let's jump into the quarterbacks and what you thought about the fit for Baker Mayfield in Carolina. I thought it was Houston, Seattle, or Carolina. Wherever he ended up, he'd have an opportunity to be the starter. That's the case in Carolina. Carolina didn't pay a lot for him. Baker Mayfield takes a pay cut, and Cleveland had to spend about $10 million for that. So do you like the deal for the Panthers? Yeah, I, I do like it for them. And, th- you know, they, they say there's going to be a competition. And obviously I think they're hoping that Baker Mayfield wins this job. But we'll see. I mean, he's got to learn. You know, he had a press conference earlier. He, he was asked about learning an offense. And he said, well, I've had to learn a lot of new offenses where, wherever it's been. And even in Cleveland, they've had different offensive coordinators. But the time frame is what he said is very different now because you get traded a couple of weeks before training camp starts. And, man, you're hitting that field. You know, you're hit, hitting that field and try, trying to learn it all. I'm sure he'll be you know, doing some Zooms with the coaches these next couple of weeks, but it's learning the players, learning the language, and all those things. But he's a, I'm sure he'll be a quick study, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how it all develops between him and Sam Darnold. You know, who, it's interesting, though, J.T., whoever wins the job, well, they're not under contract next year to the Panthers. Mm-hmm. Both Darnold and Mayfield are in the final year of their contract. So I think all the Panthers are hoping for is, You know, there's been an old saying in football that they say, well, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Well, one of them is going to they certainly hope is going to step up so that they have somebody going forward where uh, or otherwise they might have to go into the draft and figure out what they can get there. So it will be one of the more interesting stories to watch during this upcoming season. Yeah. And Howard, I think a big part of the storyline is Matt Rule just got a bad draw. He got a bad hand in poker. He goes to that franchise with the richest owner. If he had a quarterback that lived up to the hype and was great, then he'd be a mad scientist. They'd be talking about his play calling like Sean McVay. And just showing you that a coach, a brand-new coach in this league, if you miss on one quarterback and then miss on the second quarterback, you're going to be out of a job. I think this has a lot to do with Matt Rule making sure that he can hold on to that job. Do you see it that way? No, I think that's exactly right. And obviously, you know, they need a healthy Christian McCaffrey who's been a big factor in what they haven't been able to do the last uh, last two years. He's only played, you know, what, I think a total of 10 games. Uh, last year, he played, last season, he played seven. And they were actually playing pretty decent football at the beginning of last season with, with Darnold and with McCaffrey healthy. And then he got hurt, Darnold got hurt, Dar- Darnold came back, he wasn't as good. And, and so, you know, they, they have to improve. No matter, no, here's the thing, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the quarterback is, you better have the talent around that that quarterback if you're going to be successful in this league. And so that's still going to be a big part of whether Mayfield or Donald, whoever it is, if, if they can be successful. They have pretty good defense there, but it, it, mm-hmm. will, it will all come down to the players around that quarterback and the offensive line being able to protect them. Hall of Fame voter Howard Balzer joins us from NFL Radio, also covers the Cardinals. 
So the Cardinals in the NFC West, are you hearing anything reliable on Jimmy Garoppolo as we're getting closer to camp now? And if the Niners wanted to hold off for something really good on an offer and that market isn't there because of his shoulder and the surgery, that they don't want to wait anymore and they'd like to move him? Oh, I think they definitely want to move him. The question is, where would that be? And there aren't a lot of landing spots that make sense right now. The one that everyone is waiting to look at, see what happens with Deshaun Watson in in Cleveland. And if he's suspended for a long period of time, whether it's eight games, whether it's a whole year, then most don't think that the Browns are going to go into the season with Jacoby Brissett as the starter. So that could be a spot for him. Some think it could be Seattle. I don't think that would happen in a trade necessarily where the 49ers would trade him within inside the division. Seahawks say that they want to see what happens with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. But aside from that, you look at it and say, well, where, where could he potentially end up where he has a legit shot at winning a job? So that shoulder surgery that he decided to get, and the inter- it's understandable why he did it. And he's, he, you know, he's been throwing for the last couple of weeks, but certainly teams haven't seen him do that. It's understandable why he did it. But it's certainly cooled everything in terms of getting him somewhere. And so now he's, he's going to have a tough spot no matter where he ends up. But if it's Cleveland, obviously, he has you know, a great chance of being that quarterback and then parlaying that into a new contract next, you know, in 2023. Howard Balzer joins us. I spent a lot of time lately talking about Lamar Jackson. I'm fascinated. I'm sure you saw that ESPN list with the top 10 quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Arnold Mentions with Lamar Jackson, and I'd have Lamar Jackson in my top five. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. He could make every throw. He's won an MVP. He's the best runner I've ever seen, including Michael Vick. And if Vick's ahead of him, he'll eventually pass him. And he doesn't get into the top ten here. And he's negotiating his own contract. And, Howard, I think that number should start at $230 million, right where Watson is. But is he going to be able to pull this off without an agent? And do you think the organization, the Baltimore Ravens, are willing to do a blockbuster deal of over $230, $240 million for him? That, that's the big question. And, and it's not only the total dollars in the deal. It's also how much of it is guaranteed. And, and I think Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray in some ways are similar in that we saw injuries affect Lamar Jackson's season last, season, last year. <clears throat> we saw injuries affect Kyler Murray's play the last two seasons. And that's a, a concern that the teams have with a quarterback like that. They love it when they're healthy because they can be great when they're healthy. But if they're not out there or they're playing injured, then all of a sudden they're not going to run as much. And, and suddenly they're not quite they – don't, they don't provide as much for a defense to have to mm. you know, prepare for and go against when you have that situation. So how much do you guarantee? Then you throw in the whole deal that the way it is in the NFL, a lot of people don't realize this, you guarantee – like the Cleveland Browns had to put in escrow – all of the guaranteed money. I think it's. I, I think that's a long ago concept that the NFL, ha, you know, put in when the, when they put it in. It made sense. I don't know that it makes sense anymore, but it's still there. So Jimmy Haslam, who has other businesses, no problem for him. But a guy like Michael Bidwell in Arizona, where he's this is his this is his this is his only business is his football team. Does he have you know two hundred you know whatever they pay him this year? You know you're going to pay him, but. Does he have guarantee? You know that guarantees for four four more years to put an escrow and just have it sitting there. So th- that that's one thing that complicates it a little bit. 
And but you know when the Browns did that, that other agents are going to ask for that from from the different teams. And man, we have to keep our eye on Joe Burrow for next year because it's certainly something the Bengals aren't aren't necessarily you know, have a history of doing with guaranteeing you know that kind of money. So this is really up you know up, up uprooted in a sense the whole quarterback negotiating situation in the NFL. And so we'll we'll see what you know we'll see what happens with Jackson. We'll see what happens with Murray. And there's only a couple of weeks until training camp starts. So it's going to get very intriguing when that all begins at the end of this month. Howard Balzer, last one, as I'll see you in Canton. It's another big Canton trip for me as I'm going with the Raiders for Cliff Branch. And I see you there often. And look, some classes are going to be better than others. Last year was Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning. It's tough to top that. You go back to Aikman's speech or Jim Kelly's. All these moments. I've never asked you personally. What was one or two of your favorite moments all time, either in the press box or there as a guest, as I know you've been up close, where you look back on your career as a Hall of Fame voter and you really enjoyed the presentation during the enshrinement because you worked hard to help a player get there or you just sat back and loved it as a fan? Man, there's just so many of them, uh, uh, JT, so many. But I I do, when when I get asked that, I immediately go back in time, hard to believe, 42 years when I went to my first Hall of Fame enshrinement, and I'd have to look up in my little book which Raider was going in, but Al Davis was doing the presentation, and there might have been no better guy at giving a presentation speech. They don't have those anymore. You know, the presenters don't do speeches. You know, they just mm-hmm. interview them and play little clips on on the big screen. You know, they got rid of that when the when the presenters were going on longer than the players uh, sometimes. But listening to Al Davis with that New York accent and talking about the Raiders, you know, in the history of the game, they've had the greatest players and the game played in the greatest games. And, and he, oh, he said that every time he introduced a guy. <laughs> and I'll never forget that first, that first piece. I said, man, this is awesome. And it made me say, I've got to come back next year because it was such a tremendous weekend that I never anticipated how great that was. And, man, I don't, there was a stretch of time I didn't go. I think this is somewhere in the 30s, the number of wow. times that I've been there for that weekend. And I'll tell you, it never, never gets old. And you mentioned the Raiders with Philip Branch. I'm looking forward to Dick Vermeil, who, of course, mm-hmm. I got to know very well in St. Louis when he was the Rams head coach and the greatest show on turf. So obviously, you know, looking forward uh, to that when, you know, when I get to Canton and looking, for, you know, looking forward to another great, great celebration weekend, which, it's, there, there's like I said, there's not there's nothing like it. There's nothing I look forward to more than that every year than than going to Canton, and then of course also being involved with Sirius and doing some shows for them and interviewing different Hall of Fame players and and all those things for the different shows we're doing. I have to pinch myself sometimes, yeah. JT, and say this is real. This is real. You never want to get complacent or just take it for granted how just amazing that is. I'll see you at the bar at Bender's. Thanks a lot for doing this. Have a great rest of the summer. Same to you, JT. Take care. Look forward to it. Thank you, Howard. Howard Balls are joining us. And as I was interviewing Howard, I looked up and refreshed DSPN.com, and Paul Gutierrez has a great story, cover story, cover story at ESPN.com right now. Quote, he was always going to catch it. Cliff Branch's Raiders teammates recall, more than world-class speed. Branch was known for his blazing speed, but his ability to become a complete receiver is what made him a dominant force in the 70s and 80s. Man, this looks good. Paul Gutierrez, great cover story, which is up 
on the homepage at ESPN.com right there. We're brought to you by Modelo. You know I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo after my final show of the week, which is this one. But I'm driving to Southern California, so they'll have to wait for me in Newport Beach. Modelo, the fighting spirit. Shells lined up in the backfield. It's a new rule. Complete with France and oh. what a move. Goodbye. Oh, oh, Goodbye. There are no flags down. Is that wild? That happened fast. 319 still left in the game. You can really motor. How great is that? Howard Cosell. Frank Gifford, Dandy Don on a Cliff Branch touchdown. Welcome back to the Summer of Cliff Branch here exclusively on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the Raiders. We're also in partnership with NBA Summer League. So let's go down the road to the Thomas and Mac. Kurt Heelan, lead NBA insider for NBC Sports, has a few minutes for us. And Kurt, thanks for the time. Now the rumors are starting to heat up about Donovan Mitchell. What are you hearing about this potential trade at Summer League? This was expected, like, and it's not even a surprise. Teams kept calling because every, look, they can say they don't want to trade him. They can even tell you over the phone they don't want to trade him. But, JT, actions speak louder than words. And every action they took, the package that they traded Rudy Gobert for that was pick-heavy, picking a young coach that's not a win-now guy but a guy you're going to kind of bring along, uh, trading Royce O'Neal, like, every move they made was about, Danny Ainge and his living up to his history of wanting to tear things down and build them back up. So this was just coming. Every other team knew it. And the only question was when they were going to, when they'd get around to it. It sounds like they're, they're asking a lot, but they're at least not hanging up on people anymore. So, you know, the Knicks and the heat and everybody can get in. Could they have changed their own market? It's really weird because of the Gobert, what they got back. Everybody's now scratching their head going, we won't even do this for Durant and give up that many picks. So now that everybody's looked at the Gobert deal, the initial deal, to go play with Carl Anthony Towns, Danny Ainge doesn't think he can pull off something as ridiculously good again, does he? You and I talked about that yesterday. Like The Gobert trade has messed up the market. It messed up the market for Durant because, look, Durant's a better player than, than Rudy Gobert. You should get more for him. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to. Like, it's such a haul for Rudy Gobert. Um, and it's the same thing for Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is, we can have a fun debate about whether he's a better player, but he is a more versatile player that fits into more schemes. He is somebody who can plug and play and really help a lot of teams. And he, they are expecting a mountain back. Again, oh, heavy on picks because they're rebuilding, but you're going to have to give them some young players and some talent in there too. And so that's, look, the Rudy Gobert thing really does change the market for everybody. And it's part of the reason stuff is stalled out now is that these teams saw that and want those kind of packages. And there just aren't other teams willing to give that up right now. Yeah. Kurt Heelan's our guest, NBC sports in Vegas for summer league, uh, doing a great job. Follow him at basketball talk. So the Durant news, it's just shocking to me what could happen in a week. And I don't know. You don't know either. I don't know anybody who knows what the demeanor of Kevin Durant is as he has to be patient here. He has no other choice. But, man, I see Pat Riley looming in Miami, and I don't know what that deal is going to cost. And 
Phoenix as you're out west here and seeing some Phoenix insiders. Anybody giving you a lean, or are you suggesting that Durant has one market over the other that you'd bet on if you could? I, I would lean towards Phoenix. He wants to be there. That is the spot he most wants to go, and it is a place where, look, they want him. They, they are a win-now team. Um, look, the DeAndre Ayton thing hasn't happened yet where he hasn't yet gotten a, a contract offer, which probably would come from, from Indiana, who's interested. And th- there could be other reasons hanging this up, including Malcolm Brogdon's physical. That's a long story. But I think that this is part of it. Like, th- this puts pressure on the Suns to kind of get this done if they're going to get in and maybe make this a three-team trade where Miles Turner is now part of it. Um, and, and maybe a fourth team gets in there, but Miles Turner ends up in Brooklyn, and Durant in Phoenix, and and uh, Aiton in um, in mm-hmm. Indiana. So, like, there's all sorts of options here. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I I expect some movement on that, but then again, the, the <laughs> I can expect it all I want. <laughs> Everybody you talk to right. is like, yeah, it just seems quiet. So, it's yeah, everything because the I mean, everybody's talking and everybody's here. But there just hasn't been a lot of movement on that front. Uh, you reported on this, too. The NBA owners approved the tougher penalty, free throw plus the ball for take yeah. fouls. Elaborate on this and how important it was or how easy of a decision it was for the league. It was becoming a I – mean, it was any, for anybody who watched a lot of basketball, it was just an eyesore. And it was something that the European leagues had to do a few years ago because it was more prevalent there. We used to call it the Euro foul. Now it's the take foul. But it was it was just that. It's – Hey, a guy starting a fast break, I'm going to foul him in the backcourt before it gets started because you score at a higher rate on in transition. On fast breaks, your team's up and down the board. You're just more efficient than you are going against a set defense in a half court. So if I can take some of those opportunities away, I'm going to. Um, and it became a thing around the league. A lot of people were talking about it, and I think it got into the general consciousness because nobody was a bigger critic of this than Jeff Van Gundy, who was just loud about it on every broadcast. But the thing is, it was the smart play to make because, again, you're taking away a transition opportunity and they just got the ball out of bounds. So now what they're doing, because we want to see fast breaks. We want to see the pace up. We want to see that exciting style of play. It's If you foul a guy in the backcourt like that, it's a free throw, plus you get the ball out of bounds. So you're, you're costing yourself a point and maybe up to a four-point play. Uh, it'll stop it pretty quick. I think what you will see, though, JT, the, the exception is if you're going for a steal. Like, if you're going to make a play on the ball, then you're certainly allowed to do that. I think, again, the clever players will figure out how to make take fouls look like <laughs> look like an attempted steal, but you'll see less of them. You can't just kind of grab a guy as he runs by. Kurt Heelan, and finally with Ben Chero getting shut down, also a serious injury uh, that yeah. we've seen so far this year. I just don't want to see load management in summer league. I don't. If it's the number one or two pick overall, so Chet Holmgren, if you're looking at Paolo and you play him two or three games and then you want to give him a night off or give him two games off, I could live with that. A complete shutdown. I don't want to see that trend hit NBA summer league three or four years from now where even the superstars get shut down early into this great event. I fear, though, that that's kind of the direction it's headed. Yeah. Is, is yeah. If, if you're... If you're Ben Caro, if you're – look, the only reason they haven't shut Giddy down with Oklahoma City is that they want him to get some – he's going to play with 
um, Chet, you know, home, Chet home to try to get some reps, right? So, but I think you're going to do that. Look, in the case of Ben Caro, it is nice to get him out there and get him some touches on the ball and get him in the system. But you and I also know why he's out there. The, the basketball is nice. The extra practices are nice. Hey, season ticket holders, look at our guy. This is this is a marketing thing for a lot of these teams that just got a top pick. Hey, check him out. Watch him on TV. You want to you want to you want to buy a season tickets or you want to buy a mini pack. You want to be out there to see this guy. I think he probably did plenty of that in a couple of games, and I think yeah. that that's that, that's the cost benefit analysis the teams are trying to decide. Last one, my friend. The Lakers. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm hearing that. Even Darvin Ham said it, I believe, to Rich Eisen that Anthony Davis hasn't touched the basketball. And then Rob Palenka comes back and says he's having one of the greatest off-seasons ever. You have the sources with the Lakers. You're in Southern (laughs) California. What's the real story with Anthony Davis? Does he look good? Is he getting the runs in? There's these legendary games you're telling me about in the Valley and these pickup games. Is Anthony Davis really committing to basketball this year? He is is back to playing with basketball. This is, by the way, how he works – and it kind of has worked every offseason, which is that he takes a couple – season ends whenever it ends for him. He mm. takes a couple weeks off. He, he didn't touch a basketball, doesn't work out, just lets his body heal. Then spends – again, it depends on what their plan is that year. Three, four weeks literally just working out every day. Just It's conditioning, it's strength, it's you know flexibility, all that stuff. Not worrying too much about the basketball stuff. And then he gets the bas- Then they start working with the basketball guy. Then they start doing the touches. This is there was nothing out of the ordinary for him. I've heard he's looked pretty good, um, but he puts for for whatever you want to say about Anthony Davis. It's not it's not for lack of effort. He, he is where he is because he is a guy who grinds. He is a guy who puts in the work and has the commitment. Um, but nothing changes for the Laker fans, even if they get Kyrie Irving. Frankly, right? Even if they get. Mm-hmm. Go- between you and me, JT, when they get Kyrie Irving. When they get Kyrie Irving, it still comes down to Anthony Davis, doesn't it? I mean, he's still the key to making it all work. Safe travels. I know you've been uh, without your family for a while. You've been grinding summer league like you do all year, and you're in Boston for the closeout game with the Warriors. Really respect what you do and all the work you do. Thanks for coming on with us. Hey, anytime, JT. Appreciate you, Kirk. Kirk Keelan over at Summer League, and he's finally able to go home. After uh, being out here and grinding the first part of this, so really appreciate his time there. Appreciate our friends at Resorts World. Our Resorts World is the newest, biggest, most expensive, elaborate property here on the Strip by a long shot. Uh, they got great locations inside for food, for gaming, but especially Doghouse Saloon where we host Monday Night Football. I'll see Journey. Looking forward to it. I saw Carrie Underwood in that theater. My wife went to Katy Perry Saturday night. Journey's playing with the symphony over at the theater at Resorts World, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Bobby, great job this week, and uh, really knocked it out of the park today. Love the fact that we had on the new president of the Silver and Black. Appreciate the time of Sandra Douglas Morgan. She was fabulous. Uh, Kenny King, the legend. Wow, two-time Super Bowl champ. Did he have some stories on Cliff Branch? Kurt Heelan, Howard Balzer was fantastic coming in. Oh, and Todd Lewis from St. Andrews. You call that five for five or the drive for five today. I'm getting in the car driving to Southern California. I'll be back on Saturday. Everybody have a great rest of the week here. Stay cool. Be safe on the road. And thanks for listening to the flagship. Q is on deck. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Vinny in the morning with Clay and Heidi. The entire lineup. 
and everything we do here on the flagship of the Raiders. Great to be here as training camp is next week for rookies, veterans later on, and the summer of Cliff Branch continues. Thank you, everyone.